Amen. So uh, Psalm 87, uh, we are going to be studying of the glories of the city of God, of, of Jerusalem. Uh, this, is a, this is quite a, a heavy, uh, both of the ones that we're going to look at. This is a small psalm. It's not very many uh, verses, but it's packed. There's a, there's a lot within here. Um, so, excuse me, we'll just start reading. Psalm uh, 87 verse 1 says, a psalm of the sons of Korah, a song. His foundation is in the holy mountains. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than the dwellings of Jacob. Glorious things are spoken of you, O city of God. You know, there's uh, When we consider what we're looking at, we're looking at a prophecy of future kingdom. It's also a picture of the heavenly Zion. Zion, when you hear that, is a speaking of Jerusalem. So uh, the, the future kingdom, when all nations will come to Jerusalem to worship. Uh, we studied that actually a couple weeks ago from Psalm 86, verse 9, uh, where it's speaking of nations nations uh, around uh, coming to Jerusalem. And it's also a picture of the, the heavenly Zion, where God's children um, is, uh, where we have our citizenship. Uh, a few verses that, that would pertain to this. Luke 10, verse 20 says, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, right? Because that's when uh, all the... Um, the disciples, they were, they were sent out, right? And, and they were used by God. Uh, and, and they were coming back and they were like, even, the, even the, uh, the spirits are subject to us. And Jesus reminds them, he says, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Uh, Philippians 3 verses 20 and 21 say, for our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our low, lowly body uh, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working which, uh, by which he is able to even, subdue, uh, even to subdue all things to himself. For our citizenship is in heaven. We know that our citizenship isn't here. This isn't, this isn't all that we're focused on, right? Um, the... the um, uh, assistant pastor uh, that uh, I interned under over in Washington State, uh, who was the youth pastor, and then uh, handed the youth ministry uh, over to uh, to me and uh, to Jen uh, to minister to the young men and, and uh, women that were uh, at Calvary Chapel in Spokane Valley on Washington State. Uh, he he would say it, uh, considering um, eternity. He'd say, "Ask the Lord uh, to have." Uh, eternity stamped on our eyelids or even on our eyeballs, that we would be seeing things for, through an eternal lens and not just thinking of the here and now. So when we consider what this psalm is speaking of, it's, it's, it's a, a, a very prophetic psalm uh, speaking of uh, the uh, future to come and, uh, as I said, a picture of the heavenly Zion. So uh, one thing to consider here is the city is built by God. Now, uh, Genesis 14, you'll see an account of four kings going against five, right? And uh, afterwards, Abraham met Melchizedek, uh, the king of Salem. Um, uh, Salem means peace, right? The city of peace. So uh, Melchizedek is quite an interesting study in and of uh, himself, uh, that where uh, we see him uh, being picked. He's, he's a type of Christ, where he is... He's uh, both the king and the priest because we see uh, Abraham actually paying tithes to him. Uh, so it's quite a quite a thing to think of. You know, the king of peace uh, that Abraham uh, met, uh, and in Salem, uh, Jerusalem, city of of peace. Hebrews chapter seven verses one and two say, "For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth of all, first being translated king of righteousness, and then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace." So with him being a, uh, a, a type of Christ, being a uh, priest and a king. So Salem, the city of peace. Um, uh, that's uh, when, when we're considering what's being written of. Uh, Jerusalem, we, we, we even talked about it during worship. How small Israel is and then you have this, the, the, the capital uh, in Jerusalem. 
You know, you think of uh, when we get into this a little bit further, uh, David chose Jerusalem to be the capital. Second, uh, second uh, Samuel chapter five. Uh, if you look in verses six and ten, you'll see uh, David uh, uh, getting to that point. Uh, he had defeated the Jebusites and, and God validated David's choice. Um, by uh, putting the temple there also. So um, it's a very, uh, there's a lot of history uh, and a lot of meaning to Jerusalem. So God uh, chose Jerusalem, Second Chronicles 6, verses 5 and 6, say, Since the day, uh, this is the Lord speaking, Since the day that I brought my people out of the land of Egypt, I have chosen no city from any tribe of Israel in which to build a house that my name might be there. Nor did I choose any man to be a ruler of my pe- uh, over my people Israel. Yet I have chosen Jerusalem that my name may be there, and that uh, and I have chosen David to be over my people Israel. So the Lord saying twice that He chose Jerusalem and He chose David. Uh, so the temple being in Jerusalem, the throne of David. Was in Jerusalem. Uh, we know that uh, that David is in the lineage of Jesus Christ. When you when you read the um, uh, uh, genealogy, uh, you guys know Sunday night, right? Um, uh, the genealogy. I was doing this in the morning too, so uh, just my mind would just go blank for like two seconds. So, um, but the genealogy of Jesus Christ, right? Uh, and we even went into it, I think it was, uh, I don't know what service it was, they're kind of mashing together right now, but we even went through the genealogy of Christ, the 14 um, uh, generations from here, and the 14 generations from here that build up to David, and the 14 generations to Christ, right? And uh, so there's uh, there's quite a bit happening when we consider David, when we consider uh uh, Israel and Judah, when we consider uh, prophecy, when we consider the temple, all centered around Jerusalem. So uh, when when these uh, these mentions of Zion and, and uh, what's being, um, uh, you know, verse 3 says, glorious things are spoken of you, O city of God. Uh, there, there's a lot uh, that that's past, uh, even present, uh, and then also even more so uh, in the future. So, uh, when you consider regarding Jerusalem, God called Jerusalem my city in Isaiah 45. I uh, called it the holy city uh, in Isaiah 48 and 52. Uh, the city of our God, it's, uh, it's called in Psalm 48. Psalm 48 verse 2 says, Beautiful in elevation, the joy of the whole earth uh, is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. That's uh, th- so we're we're talking about a, a very uh, very important uh, city, which uh, isn't a surprise to any of us. But where we're picking it up here in Psalm eighty-seven, just understanding the history of Jerusalem, and there's a lot more to that. But these are just little things that uh, that came into uh, to my mind in study and uh, to be able to share. Uh, but there's there's a whole lot more regarding the history of, of Jerusalem uh, itself. But uh, no doubt a very uh, important city, city in biblical history and uh, in the future uh, to come. Jesus died and rose again outside Jerusalem's walls. If we consider Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit poured out uh, on the church there in, uh, right in Jerusalem. Uh, it's a very, very powerful uh, city to study, and the word of God uh, spread from there. The gospel spread, and uh, because you know, they had received the power of the Holy Spirit, and then the the, the gospel is spreading uh, even from Acts chapter two. So there's a lot that's happened there. Verses uh, four through six, uh, we we can see here that the city is inhabited by God's children. And verse four it says, "I will make mention of Rahab and Bab- Now that that Rahab is speaking of Egypt, uh, I will make mention of Rahab and Babylon to those who know me. Behold, O Philistia, and Tyre, and with Ethiopia. This one was born here, and uh, and of Zion it will be said, this one and that one were born in her, and the Most High Himself shall establish her." The Lord will record when he registers the peoples. 
Uh, this one was born here. So God taking a royal census and, and registering individual names. Now, it's interesting to see here uh, that Rahab, Egypt, is mentioned, Babylon, Philistia, uh, Tyre, and Ethiopia, uh, you know, Gentile nations. Uh, so, so consider these are all being listed here that God is making his own children's and children and citizens um, of Jerusalem. So these people that were Gentiles, uh, this is Old Testament speaking of uh, people coming from other places and uh, where, where it says, speaking of Zion, that, that they would be born here. They would be born here. Talking about a spiritual birth uh, that's, that's going to come in the millennial reign. So um, these, and it's funny that these five are listed because they're known as enemies of the Jews, you know, when you're reading through uh, the Old Testament scriptures here. So the, the emphasis here, but if, if you look is uh, in these uh, few scriptures, is on birth. Uh, you know, how many times does it say this one was born here, this one was born here? Uh, and it uh, says it three times uh, right in there. It's speaking of people entering uh, the future glorious kingdom uh, of the Messiah, and they'll experience new birth uh, in God. So being drawn to uh, uh, the uh, into Jerusalem in the millennial reign. So uh, and belong, these people will become part of and belong to uh, the family of God. So they're being called from nations all, all around. Um, and, uh, you know, these, when, when it says Egypt, they're the enemies from the south. When it says um, uh, uh, Babylon, the enemies from the north, lists uh, Philistia and Tyre, to the ones to the west, and uh, Ethiopia or Cush, the uh, nation of Africa. Um, of the nation of Africa. So, uh, you know, when God establishes his, his, his kingdom, um, you know, when Messiah reigns, uh, Israel's enemies are going uh, to become fellow citizens. Consider what the Old Testament uh, prophets had to say. Isaiah, um, uh, we'll, we'll look at Micah chapter 4, and we're going to read uh, five verses there, and even Zechariah. They all promised that believers uh, from all nations uh, from the earth would uh, be included in the Messiah's reign. And uh, specifically, uh, what jumped out to me the most was uh, Micah chapter 4, verses 1 uh, through 5. It says, Now it shall come to pass in latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills, and peoples, uh, people shall flow to it. Many nations shall come and say, come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion, the law shall go forth and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between many peoples and rebuke strong nations afar off. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. But everyone shall, shall sit under his vine and under his fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. For all people walk each in the name of his God, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. Uh, you know, when we consider those types of prophecies of people coming from all over, uh, where it says in verse two, many nations shall come and say, come, let us go up to the, the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways and we shall walk in his paths. You know, what a wonderful thing to consider. You know, when you consider, you know, today's gospel, um, you know, in, in New Testament, uh, this is already taking place uh, in the church. The, the gospel has spread all around uh, the world. And, and when we consider Jew and Gentile uh, are, are already uh, in the church. Galatians chapter 3 uh, verses 26 and, uh, through 29 say, For you are all sons of God through faith in, Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed 
and heirs according to the promise. Uh, so there, there's a lot to chew on here, right? There are only, what, eight verses, uh, seven verses in this. But there's so much here that, that you can just kind of dive into and, and start. Uh, my Bible's a reference Bible. I have uh, Bible references in the middle. I absolutely love it. Uh, it's my the favorite Bible I've, I've ever owned. Um, I've got a few things when I'm looking for a Bible. Um, and it's been year. I don't remember. It's probably been 15 years since I bought my last Bible. And um, mine's in there. And the reason I don't have it up here is I can't read it here without squinting and getting to that point. So I have to put it in big font. Uh, so it's right here. Um, but my Bible, I, I, I promise you, I read it every day. Uh, it's sitting there on my desk, and it's all marked up and everything. But I, I love my Bible because it's got the, the, the scripture references in the middle. I highly recommend a, a reference Bible for us because it's going to help us with cross-referencing. Like, wait a minute, and you get into there, and, and uh, you look and you see this, and you're like, ah, that's where that was. And I can tie it together. So for me, uh, I love being able to do that and put these things together. Uh, it's it's greatly helped me in my study. Um, uh, Words of Christ in red, that's always important uh, because when you're starting to, to look at dialogue, it's just easier. Uh, I, I know when you can get the, like the dollar store Bible, great tool to be able to give to somebody. But I love when you can separate the words of Christ and somebody can understand these are the words of Jesus Christ and that, that they just pop off the the. The page, the Holy Spirit can still do His work here, but uh, it's quite a uh, uh, quite a uh, uh, powerful thing for us to uh, have these tools uh, available to us uh, when we consider um, you know all that's out there. So uh, when we can put together these types of things and start really diving into um, seven verses and and go, oh, cool, this this uh, would apply here, and 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 how these uh, things uh, come into play, uh, it's. It's a, a wonderful thing for us to be able to uh, to dive into. Now, uh, so uh, we uh, um, we just read verses uh, four through uh, six uh, here. So, um, you know, for for us, uh, we um, as uh, if it, when we can consider, you know, where is our our citizenship? It's it's in heaven. Uh, so we're here. We're we're called to have a light touch on here. But looking forward to what God is doing, uh, uh, going to do uh, through Jerusalem. Of course, there's the the, the new Jerusalem, right? That, that we can read of in the scriptures. But you know what He has has planned and uh, what He has said uh, about uh, you know Zion in and of itself. Uh, are, it's a wonderful thing for us to be able to dive uh, dive into. Uh, going into verse seven, it says. Um, the both singers and players on instruments say, "All my springs are in you." So uh, this, uh, the another thing to consider here is the enjoyment uh, that we have in God, uh, the the city itself enjoying uh, the the abundant blessings of the Lord. Where it's talking about all my springs are in you. You know what joys we have uh, from the Lord. And, um, I have said this before, but, but it's, it's even said, even within, um, some realms of Christianity that, uh, that new Testament using instruments is, is, uh, unbiblical. Uh, I, I don't know where they came up, they came up with that. Uh, but it's, it's very easy to refute. You can just go into the scriptures and say, why would God say, uh, you know what? You can no longer use instruments when it's all through the Psalms. You know, wouldn't wouldn't there be a stop? Wouldn't one of the apostles come out and say, "Hey, you can't use these things"? But it says both the singers and the players on instruments say, "All my springs are in you." Speaking of uh, of living water, uh, not water being brought up from a well, but all the blessings will flow from the Lord in Jerusalem uh, in the millennial reign. Uh, so the the blessings that that come from God. Now, uh, thinking of our spiritual life as we uh, read through this psalm and understanding, you know, where do our our blessings come from? What's our foundation? You know, when when you go back all the way uh, in uh, to Psalm uh, the the first of this, it says uh, his foundation in the holy mountains. You know, the the foundation that we have in the Lord that we can walk with Him now. And enjoy his abundant blessings in this life, knowing that we have more blessings coming from him in the next. So uh, that's uh, as we go through. Like I said, there's a lot to dive into uh, here in uh, Psalm 87, and uh, we'll move into uh, Psalm 88 now, where that is a prophetic psalm, 
moving in uh, to Psalm 88, uh, this is known as uh, by many as the saddest psalm. Uh, it doesn't end well, right? You know, we can see uh, many times when we're reading through the psalms that there's a uh, there's despair. Uh, there's uh, hopelessness and helplessness and crying out to the Lord. And then there's the, the statement of my help comes from the Lord or something there. Uh, this one doesn't end that way. Uh, it's, it's all speaking of uh, somebody being shut up uh, in, and, and being, uh, as, you, as you read through it, dealing with some sort of uh, medical illness that has separated them uh, from people and crying out to the Lord and saying, Lord, when are you going to hear my prayer? And those things, but th there's a lot for us to learn from it. But it's it's definitely heavy to read, you know, because life isn't always just skipping down the road, right? Hey, this is great, you know, and uh, you know I got my my smile on, and uh, some days we're we're going through it, you know, we we're we're going through hard times, and uh, there are going to be times where uh, that are are filled with joy and rest, uh, and then there are going to be hard times, tests and trials, and. Uh, those things that, that aren't going to be um, the, bringing us to a point of, I'm really happy and joyful. You know, it might be one where we're just constantly on our face, uh, you know, in, in our room, in our prayer closet. Uh, we're driving uh, to work or even driving to church and just crying out to the Lord. Those things that may stay with us for a while. You know, sometimes there, there, there are things that don't seem to be going away. Uh, the encouragement is... When, I mean, even looking at this psalm, the encouragement is to keep going. You know, even within this is there's the continuation of prayer and asking God to help, right? I mean, in this this uh, this psalmist, uh, his name is uh, it's H E M A N. I grew up in the '80s. It's He Man, right? You know, for me, when I'm when I'm reading this, I mean, every time I see it, uh, you know, Haman, uh, however you want to look at it. Uh, I'm going to say Haman um, and uh, go from there. Uh, but uh, I just know in my mind, as an 80s kid, He-Man, the master of the universe. And I wasn't even the biggest fan of He-Man. He just looked awesome and everything. But, um, you know, when he's writing this thing, he's going through something uh, incredible. And when I read it, I'm reminded of Job, you know. So, so and, and we'll see here, you know, in the crying out, because... Uh, the the how you can tie these things together right because job went through quite a bit you know losing everything that he owned uh and then losing his children and then uh being attacked right there was there was this spiritual attack happening in his life that brought forth uh this in these he was inflicted with boils all over him and uh you know he's you know there's the the uh not so much of an encouragement from his wife why don't you just curse god and die right and you can look at that in a few different ways of just just end your misery. Uh, you know, I've heard pastors say that, you know, she might have been the nag wife and saying, why don't you just curse God and die? You know, and then his friends coming and blaming him, you know, and he's having these arguments. Why would we go to somebody in those situations and be like, this is all your fault, right? When we know it really wasn't for him. But then it gets to a point where he's he's crying out to God so much and God has to come to him and be like, were you there when I built everything, when I created the world and everything? It had to put his mind in a proper perspective, right? So as we're reading through here, you'll probably get to a point. We haven't even started reading this, and I've been talking for, what, 10 minutes on it. I'm sorry, but right? But, but there, it's the correlation that, that came into my mind of, of this man is just pouring out uh, that, that even when he says that he's, he's separated from his friends, there's so many different things that, that would correlate to Job and what Job went to that even though this doesn't end well, uh, as it's written here, we know that, that, uh, those who put their trust in the Lord, uh, would go to be with the Lord, right? These guys, when he's writing this, uh, Haman, we're going to call him Haman, um, uh, and, uh, he, he didn't have the, the New Testament hope of Jesus Christ. You know, he's, he's writing this uh, many, many years before Jesus uh, even came onto the scene. So uh, there's an uncertainty of, well, what's going to happen when I die? What's, what's, what's uh, you know, what, what is this? I'm just being afflicted. Is this God just punishing me? Uh, so he doesn't have that, uh, well, you know what? I can, I can look and I know, I know uh, that Jesus Christ is the one that I can place my trust in. So we have that advantage, right? When we can look at these things. So uh, 
without further ado, uh, let's look at this. So this is a prayer for help uh, when somebody is going through uh, very significant uh, suffering here. So it says a song, a psalm of the sons of Korah to the chief musician uh, set to uh, Mahalath uh, Neonoth. So uh, a contemplation of Haman the Ezraite. O Lord, God of my salvation, I have cried out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. Uh, so this is the last of the songs of uh, uh, the uh, psalms that will come from the sons of Korah. This is the last one uh, in the psalms, and it. Uh, um, when when we consider what this is about, where I've just brought this up, it ends um, with uh, the word hoshek uh, or oshek, uh, meaning darkness. Uh, that's the last word uh, in this. So it, it's it's uh, not a closing on uh, a word of triumph like the other ones uh, did so many times. The other psalms, uh, as I said, many consider it to be the saddest of psalms, uh, and uh, set. Uh, believe uh, it's it's believed that the Mahalath is uh, meant to be for a sad melody, and Neonoth uh, might be to bring us low uh, before the Lord. Um, so when you consider uh, these things that that are are being mentioned here, uh, there's the bringing low the, that that we would humble ourselves. So. Um, so now this this Haman that it might be, either Haman the son of Joel, uh, who was a temple musician uh, in the time of David, during David's reign, uh, I would consider this, uh, from what I've seen in, in my study, to be uh, the one that have write, written, uh, written this, um, or to have wrote this. Uh, and then also Haman that was also uh, serving in during the... Um, a reign of King Saul, one of uh, his wise men. So being that somebody was a temple musician in David's reign, uh, I, I tend to lean that way. Does it really matter? Maybe not necessarily, uh, unless you want to dive into it and see what you can, but it, it doesn't uh, explain which one it was. But uh, this is speaking of somebody that's in isolation. They're shut in, and they're dealing with a prolonged serious illness. And as we progress through this, it's speaking of, of darkness, and that's uh, in verses 1, 6, 12, and 18. Uh, life in the depths, the uh, imminence of death, feelings of drowning. Loneliness and uh, loneliness and imprisonment. Um, these are things that uh, I think most of us can say that at different times of our lives have experienced. Uh, you know, whatever the circumstances were, that we can relate to um, this psalmist as he's reading, uh, as he's writing this, and he's you know we're we're being able to to see what's being said here. But uh, you know, these are pretty heavy things. You know, the darkness, uh, life in the depths, uh, that, that death was uh, right around the corner, feeling like you're drowning. Uh, I, I, I've been there before. Uh, the, the feelings of, of uh, loneliness and imprisonment. You know, those things uh, that, that seem to overwhelm. Um, and uh, you guys know, I've said it a million times, we can't trust those feelings. But uh, experiencing those type of emotions, we can go to the Lord with them. Instead of letting them swallow us up, we go to the Lord, as uh, is seen here, and come to the Lord uh, by faith. Uh, so Haman's life was not an easy one. He even says in verse 15, when we get there, he says, I have been afflicted and ready to die from my youth. Uh, that's, a, that's a pretty heavy thing. In verse, uh, verse 3, we're going to read here in just a moment, uh, speaking uh, that that life uh, wasn't getting much easier for him as time went on. And in verses 10 and 11, we'll read, it seems he felt that death was very near. So as we're, as we're you know, moving forward in this, uh, we're going to see. But we don't see him uh, getting to the point where he's giving up. He's still calling out to the Lord. And he's calling him L-O-R-D, all those capitalizations like L-O-R, Yahweh, or, or Jehovah. And he's saying it several times, the, the emphasis of calling him uh, Jehovah or, or Yahweh is, is, call, is in, in their mind reckoning back to the covenant made uh, with their spiritual father, Abraham. You know, where, where 
uh, where he was known as YHWH, Jehovah. Uh, so uh, he had doubts, he had struggles, but was still practicing his faith and calling out to the Lord to deliver him uh, and calling out uh, for, for help. Now, uh, moving into verse 3, it says, For my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to the grave. I am counted with those who go down to the pit. I am like a man who has no strength, adrift among the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, and who are cut off from your hand. You have laid me in the lowest pit, in darkness, in the depths. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you have afflicted me with all your ways. You know, they're, they're, what we're seeing here uh, in these verses 3 through 7 is somebody pouring out their heart to the Lord, and we can't be afraid to do that in our own faith. We say, God, this is what I'm experiencing. This is what... what uh, my, my mind and my heart, and I need to be able to come to you uh, with these these things. Uh, you know, it's a very heavy psalm, and um, we can't be afraid to, at a time uh, like this, uh, where maybe our circumstances are telling us uh, that God has forgotten us, that he's not hearing us, and, and that we're uh, like someone who has gone down in the grave, who, who God doesn't remember anymore, that God has shut out. Uh, we have to understand that we can go to God and be transparent with him. Uh, he, it, it, that's not going to like rock God uh, for us to go and say, Lord, this is what I'm experiencing. Uh, it's, it's crushing me. Can you help me? Can you carry me through? And uh, just pouring our hearts out to him. He's uh, describing uh, himself as a living dead man that's adrift. Uh, that's, that's pretty heavy. You know, that's uh, that's that's quite a statement here of, uh, you know, that's what he's describing is happening uh, in his heart. Verse eight says, you have put away my acquaintances far from me. You have made me an abomination to them. I am shut up and I cannot get out. My eye wastes away because of affliction, Lord. Uh, Lord, I have called upon uh, called daily upon you. I have stretched out my hands to you. Uh, that, that's uh, to to be going through this, and then to consider what's being said in here in verse eight. You have put away my acquaintances far from me. Uh, you have made me an abomination to them. I am shut up, and I cannot get out. That feeling of entrapment, being stuck. You know, was this person like a leper, where they were separated from everybody and they're locked away from everybody, and they're going through something that's so so heavy. That they that, but even when they they say that the, even their acquaintances um, uh, have been put away from them, and, and uh, they are, you have made me an abomination to them. I am shut up. I cannot get out. Being in that spot where I believe that I'm all by myself, that's a that's a a, a, a heavy burden to be bearing. And and what does the scripture say to us that we can bear one another's burdens, right? Where we can spend that time uh, with one another. That, that we don't have to, uh, in a time of hopelessness uh, and seeming, seeming hopelessness and seeming uh, helplessness, believe that we are all alone. That we have brothers and sisters. That we, <clears throat> and consider, in today's te uh, technology, the advantage we have. Right? We can just get on our phone, turn on FaceTime, and uh, there we are. We're all plugged in, and we're looking right at somebody. You know, we, we, we may still be physically isolated from them, but uh, but uh, we, we don't we don't have to. We can still see or hear them, right? They didn't have that advantage even back then. So, you know, consider, right? Uh, what was it? Uh, three years ago, three and a half years ago, uh, where uh, it was said that everybody needs to stay away from each other, and how harmful that ended up being to some people. Look. I can tell you right now, you tell me you got strep throat, I don't want to shake your hand. I don't want to be close to you. I, want, I don't want to feel your breath on my face, right? You got the flu, the real flu, influenza. I had influenza A, it was awful, right? Uh, when we're dealing with, with any type of, of sickness, not just COVID, okay? I love you, pray for you. I just don't want to be right next to you, 
You know, I just, I, I have that. I've always, I've always felt that way, right? Like, you know, I'm, if I'm sick, I'm staying home, right? Um, uh, and, uh, but, I, but people that aren't sick, <laughs> people that are just staying home, you know, think of how, how detrimental that was to the, the, the spiritual health of the church, the mental health of the church being prohibited from being able to gather together when churches are being sued by states for multi uh, millions of dollars. Right. I got to, uh, to listen. Um, Mike, um, brothers help me out. Mike, uh, his dad is always the one that closes out the, um, uh, what's that? Yeah. Now we're all drawing a blank, right? Um, and I see him and, uh, yeah, anyways, uh, uh, I thought I had it anyways, pastor in California sued, uh, and, and fined by the state of California for having church and having to go to court to fight, it, fight it. And, um, he is, uh, um, sitting on the stand in church. And as he's sitting in the stand in church and able to give his 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 own uh, testimony and own his uh, own defense and his own defense and and stand there, he's going, guys. It was guys. He's you know explaining to your honor instead of guys. He's not talking to a bunch of buddies, right? Um, but but he is 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 sharing and he's saying, look, I'm a pastor, and he has to describe what the job of a pastor is, and he's explaining people are hurting. People were dying. People were killing themselves. And he goes and he says, oh, you know, if, if, if I were uh, standing, I see somebody in the road and I go to uh, uh, even a baby. He's talking about a baby being in the road. And I go to a law enforcement you know, officer and I'm like, there's a baby in the road. Can we stop traffic? Like he's, he's saying, look, I have to go about trying to save lives. I have to minister to those who are hurting, that are hurting, that are locked up, that are shut up. You know, that are isolated. You know, because what does it do? It drives you to a point like this. Verse 9 says, My heart wastes away because of affliction. Lord, I have called up, uh, daily upon you. I have stretched out my hands. But that being shut up and shut out, that the, 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 just that time of being, I'm locked away from everybody else. We may not have been like that through the medical situation and being separated, but I think many of us have felt that way and experienced those. McClure, Mike McClure. As soon as you looked at me, I remembered, sorry, it's Don McClure. He's like one of the OGs of Cal Calvary Chapel. We're going to edit that out, right? Uh, this would be like, hey, does no, yeah, Don McClure, Mike McClure. Um, and uh, uh, just to listen, and I'm not doing his, his sharing, uh, test, uh, what he shared in testifying, but what it was, and, and the way he said that the way he was going about uh, ministering and he kept opening the doors is that law enforcement that was there started, you know, when, when they noticed, hey, you know, that, that they're supposed to be shutting things down. What he described was is that those not even in law enforcement, but the prosecutors, when they heard uh, him talking and they understood his side, started coming to church. They had to remove themselves from all the, 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 the fines and, and the lawsuit and all that stuff. They had to remove, they, I, I got to keep removing. They had, to, they had to keep finding people because those people were coming to the truth. Because this man understood what it was to be a pastor and that hope needed to be per, uh, preached and that people needed to understand that they weren't separated, that they weren't in isolation by themselves. They weren't an abomination to everybody else. And that, then he was able to speak hope and speak the peace of Jesus Christ into people's lives, and how that carried so many people through. He literally said, like, people are dying. They're killing themselves because of this. I can't by, by what God says to me of what a shepherd, what a watchman, right? You go into Ezekiel, and you look at a watchman is responsible for and what a shepherd is responsible for. And uh, he's saying, I can't sit here and do nothing. I am, co I am commissioned by God to preach the gospel. And he just wouldn't stop. If we do, what is the, what's the outcome? There's the isolation. There's the hopelessness. Verse 10. Will you work wonders for the dead? Shall the dead arise and praise you? Shall your loving kindness be declared in the grave? Or your faithfulness in the place of destruction? 
Shall your wonders be known in the dark, and your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But to you I have cried out, O Lord, and in the morning my prayer comes before you. Lord, why do you cast my soul I cast off my soul. Why do you hide your face from me? You know, we as Christians uh, have hope in Christ of what is next. Uh, we talked about this. Uh, they, they didn't have the rest of the story, right? So he's just re- he's just asking. These are, these are brutally honest questions that we can look into that's happening in the heart of this man. Where he's crying out saying, God, am I forgotten? You know, have you have you turned away from me, or you know, where where he's saying things? Shall your loving kindness be declared uh, in the grave? Am I going to be able to declare anything when I'm in the grave? Am I going to be able to speak of your faithfulness in a place of destruction? And he's he's just he's just pleading his cause before the Lord. That's okay. We can do that. We can go to the Lord. And if there's sin in our heart, when we do, God will gently address that. And he'll say, no, 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 you're not getting it, right? But there is a reason they call this the saddest psalm, right? This person just crying out in their desperation. And they just end the song uh, as we're reading. The uncertainty that's being uh, being declared here and the crying out for healing and, and crying for strength. Just saying, Lord, uh, you know, you know I'm, I'm crying out to you. I, I, I don't know the uh, I'm not experiencing your presence and I, I don't know why uh, that, that crying out it's okay for us uh, to to go to the Lord and say I, I need you I'm not understanding these circumstances they're not too big for God to answer they're not too big for God to address you know when I'm looking at this and I see somebody who uh, is uh, pouring their heart out to the Lord and their trust is in the Lord I am very confident that this individual writing this, that the Lord answered every one of these questions. In this life or afterward, says, hey, I know you had all those questions. Hand around them, let's talk, right? That that, that didn't end in hopelessness and destruction. Confident of that, because God is faithful to those uh, who place their trust in him. There's a waiting for the Lord's answer. Verse 15 says, I have been afflicted and ready to die from my youth. I suffer your terrors. I am distraught. Your fierce wrath has gone over me. Your terrors have cut me off. They came around me all day long like water. They engulfed me altogether. Loved one and friend you have put far from me and my acquaintances into darkness. Again, one of the saddest psalms. No, uh, you know, joyful ending um, uh, there. Uh, is uh, it's tough to read this. It's tough to see that. But this is raw emotion coming out where somebody is just saying, I've been through this. I've been going through this since my youth. There are things that we, some of us, have struggled with from our youth. It might be literal emotions that we've dealt with. The, the, The heavy weight of why can't I get past these things, right? When you consider, though, uh, you know, the example of God uh, speaking to Paul when Paul just begged the Lord three times for him to remove that thorn that in his flesh. And what does God say? You know, my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Right. This is I don't know a better way to describe utter weakness and, and utter despair and hopelessness than Psalm 88. This is just, I'm crying, where he's talking about in verse 9, my eyes waste away, uh, my eye wastes away because of affliction, right? We heard, we've read Psalms of David crying, and he's saying that he soaked his couch with tears. You know, those, those uh, powerful things to read and just go, wow, this is heavy. Some things in the scripture are heavy, but we can look to them and say, I'm not alone, <laughs> Right? If there's anything we can take from this, it's understanding that a circumstance, or whether it's short or long, uh, there are others, and we can actually look to the scripture that that, that this is in here, uh, that Psalm 88 exists here to speak uh, of the faithfulness of God. And we can understand here that even though the, the circumstance is bringing about these heavy words and these heavy emotions that are being written, 
I will say, I don't consider myself really a musician. I learned how to play guitar, and I learned to, how to kind of carry a tune and sing, right? But I don't understand um, how music is. Uh, you're a better musician, right? You understand music better. You can read music. People that uh, that uh, have that that blessing. God has has. I remember twenty um, three, twenty four years ago, I fell in love with a guitar uh, when we were in Italy, and I was like, "Oh man, this is awesome." Why am I talking about music right now? All right. Anyways. Um, I have no idea why I'm talking about music, but I'm going to go along with it. Maybe it'll come back. Um, so, uh, and I was just talking to a friend about this. I'm like, yeah, sometimes I go blank. And uh, guys, I noticed this was, I was talking to my friend. He and I are both in our early forties, right? I'm 44. He's a few years younger. Um, and we're both like, we were talking and in the conversation, we both went completely blank a couple times and couldn't figure it out. But, but I fell in love with, oh, musicians carrying these things. Right. Um, and, uh, right. So musicians. So if I lose it again, just say musicians. Okay. Um, that that uh, musicians are emotional. That's what I'm trying to get to. They're emotional, right? Um, I, I, I have friends uh, that I've known for a long time, and the ones that are the, the biggest musicians uh, and, and, and the ones that I, I always tell them, uh, and I mean this in a loving way, I want to punch them right in the face, right? So Shane and Corey have heard me say that about people several times, right? Because they're the people that music came to them very easy. Okay, so, uh, and I say that lovingly, right? It's a joke. Uh, I don't really want to punch. Sometimes I do because I'm like, you're that good and you didn't even try. It took me 20 years to figure that out, right? Alan and I were just, before before church today, we're just going through some songs and, and he's going, I got to figure out the, you know, uh, how, to, how to strum that and everything. It can be frustrating, right? It, but when we understand this is being written by a musician and musicians can be more emotional, Right. Uh, if you consider, right, uh, sports, anybody in here sports fans, uh, the most emotional people in baseball typically are pitchers, right? Uh, the, and uh, they'll call uh, pitchers, uh, and if you're a pitcher, I'm not trying to make an offense. Uh, Alan, I know you were a pitcher, right? Uh, I, but they'll uh, oftentimes they'll say pitchers are divas, right? They're high-maintenance people, right? They'll, they'll say, <laughs> I, I don't think Alan is, though, right? But that's that's what what they'll say. They'll say these things like all shocked and stunned, right? But they'll also say that about a quarterback, right? Um, that that those that are uh, it's just it's certain people with certain skill sets, right? So singers, singers are often very emotional people, right? Um, and try to prove me wrong because when they start reading uh, writing these songs, and they can sit down and write out these songs, right? It's another thing that I violence, right? I just want to lovingly slap them because they can just write songs. I can't write songs, right? I want to. I want to be able to, but they're able to, because of a gift from God, uh, they're able to pour out their emotions. That's what this individual is doing. This was a long way around to getting to, this is an emotional person. And they're going through something very significant in their life where they're separated uh, from friends and family. And uh, they're going through a medical condition that's overwhelming them. Uh, and, you know, when, when we can look at a, ver a verse like 15 says, I have been afflicted and ready to die from my youth. That's a heavy thing to say. But we have to take into consideration who's, who's saying it, right? It, it, it may be somebody who is a little more prone to emotion. Um, because, like I said, these are songwriters. They're a little more emotional. That's why they pick up the pen and they can write these things. Right, so we have to understand some people are more emotional. It just is what it is. Uh, so, uh, considering what we're reading here, we have to remember the faithfulness of God. If Psalm eighty-eight is all somebody read, we got a whole lot of hope to pour into their life, right? Because they can just be like, "No, I read Psalm eighty-eight. I just picked it up one night. I was at a, a hotel, and and I just like, oh, there's the Bible here, and they open it up to Psalm eighty-eight, and they're just like, I have no idea what that is, right? You know, and they're just like, I, you know, uh, but I trust somebody being brought to that point. The Holy Spirit is speaking to them to look at that, and they're going to look at more. But uh, I'm so grateful for us that we have the rest of the picture. We have the book of Job to go back and, and, and to look at. We have the New Testament where we can understand where we're going at the end of this, that there there is hope and in, in, in life in Jesus Christ. We have those things. Uh, there isn't just this, wow, I've gone through all these things. And since I was a kid, I was afflicted. And I was going through all these things and, and here I am and I'm dying. And God, would you just take me? Uh, and, you know, that, that crying out there. 
uh, there's so much more to the story. It's not just the heaviness of, of this, because this is a heavy psalm. It's hard to read. Uh, it's probably not one you're going to go and try to encourage somebody with, unless we want to say, hey, you're not alone, right? You know, somebody who says, I'm all alone in everything. Boom, open right up to it. There was another one. But there's more to the story, and we can share this. You know, and let us take comfort uh, when we find ourselves in these places. I hope that none of us do a whole lot, but if we do, we can trust that, right, uh, uh, Romans 8.28, all things work for the good. All things work for the good for those that love God and are the called according to his purpose, right? We can trust him that whatever we're going through, as we're trusting the Lord, he's going to make it work for our good. Um, I'll just share uh, that I did, uh, I, I did witness uh, Ken Graves saying that to Mark Schwartz, who we just prayed to this morning, sharing that this will work out for his good. Uh, what an encouragement, you know, that I know it doesn't make sense right now. But it will work out for his good. We can trust the Lord. He is faithful. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are faithful to us. We thank you that you are not done, Lord. We can read of what you're doing in Psalm 87, that you are going to call many from all over uh, and uh, that, that many would come to you. We thank you, Lord, that we can come to you uh, in a time of extreme uh, circumstances that are, are, are just overwhelming us. And be able to come to you honestly and to pour out our heart in front of you, Lord. And help us, Lord, to not be at a point of hopelessness, but that we would uh, hope in you and cry out to you and trust that you are carrying us through understanding that as you worked in a man like Job's life, he experienced great loss, but experienced double, uh, received double of what he lost in return as you ministered into his life. You carried him through the uh, such great uh, loss, such great uh, physical affliction, and blessed him double on the other side. Help us to trust you and know you are trustworthy and to share this. Be able to share with those that are going through these things. Sometimes we, we, we may just need to sit quietly, put our arm around them and let them know they're not alone. And sometimes you may give us a word to share. But Lord, let us always demonstrate you uh, to the, the, the broken and, and downcast our brothers or, and sisters or, or those that don't know you, being able to share hope and faith in Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.